You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the April 2014 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name's Shane. I'll be our host today. Uh, Today's topic is this, signs of an overwhelmed leader. But before we get into today's topic, there's several things I want to make all our listeners aware of, opportunities for you uh, to grow in your leadership or grow your church. The first of these opportunities is a trip to Israel. Yes. Perry's going to be doing a leadership intensive uh, in Israel, October 14th through the 21st of this year. You can get all the information you need about that trip at unleash.cc. Perry, before we jump to the next opportunity, what do our listeners need to know about this trip to Israel? Here, Here's the thing I'm going to tell you about Israel, and I feel like a broken record when I say this, but it really is going to take the Bible from black and white to color for you. It's really going to show you some things that you've n- never, ever n- known about the Bible, and it's not because— um, it's simply because you lived in America. And I've heard people say this all their lives, Shane. I, I, I hear people say this all the time. You know, I really want to do that one day. I, I really want to go to Israel one day. Well, I'm telling you, one of the best things you can do for your church and the leadership of your church, and it'll take your Bible teaching to the next level, is get on that trip to Israel because it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and let me say this too. If you've been to a leadership intensive with Perry before, uh, you're eligible for this trip. Uh, it, like Perry said, this is going to take everything we've just, we've taught in the past to a whole nother place, and so literally and figuratively. Yeah, and if you haven't been on uh, the leadership, uh, if you haven't been the leadership intensive, you can still come. Um, this this is for people that have been in, haven't been in. Church leaders, senior pastors, executive pastors, spouses are welcome to come. I'm telling you, it's going to be a game changer. Yep. Do not miss out on that opportunity. And then the second opportunity uh, we have, uh, it's about church growth. It's a conference we're doing this August called the Double Conference. It's going to be August 28th and 29th. Uh, Tickets are available now, uh, $89 a person. There's even reduced rate tickets if you bring 10 or more people. Which is amazing that we're reducing the rate from 89 bucks. I'm just saying. That's true. That's pretty cool. Maybe we shouldn't do that. I don't know. I I don't know. Maybe we should go to 109 right now. (laughs) 199. No, we're not going to do that. 89 bucks. 89 bucks. Even lower if you bring more people. Go check out all the information about that conference at doubleconference.com. And this thing, this thing's going to fill up. I mean, it's already filling up, yeah. but it's filling up quick. In fact, Shane, you were telling me this morning that you got a text message from a pastor in Nigeria. That's right, Balaji. If you're out there listening, Balaji, what's up? Balaji is bringing ten pastors from Nigeria. Yep. And you know why? Conference. You know why? I'm going to speak for Balaji, but he was at your last leadership intensive. He went back, started instituting or impl- implementing some of the ideas he learned at that intensive, and his church has already grown by 50% in the last five months. Wow. So he's saying, hey, I'm going to bring some more people back. So, Balaji, thanks for texting me that information today. Thanks, Balaji. Hey, and if you want to go to Israel, Balaji, you can go there too. Hey, it's a quick trip for you, Balaji. That's right. Uh, so, anyway, shout out to Balaji, and you don't want to miss the double conference get signed up quick it will sell out and as perry said last podcast we don't have extra seats we're going to fill up our uh, main auditorium here in anderson and when it's full it's full yep uh so with that uh the next thing i want to mention perry and this really kind of gets to the heart of what today's podcast is about you're releasing a new book it's actually being released today if you're listening to this on april the 1st the book is being released today. The name of the book is Overwhelmed, Winning the War Against Worry. And so, Perry, you know, you your book releases today, and in this book you deal with some topics that are common to a lot of people but rarely talked about. 
Uh, also, you don't just theorize about fear and stress, anxiety, depression, but the content of this book is, but actually comes from your own battle with these things. You know, uh, the first line of your book says this. It says, I wanted to kill myself. And I was just thinking, man, those are strong and desperate words. But before we get to that extreme, let me ask you a few questions to help us walk our listeners kind of through why you wrote this book. Let me ask you this to start with. When did the signs of anxiety and or depression start showing up in your life? Um, Shane, as I I look back over my life, I, I think I had bouts with it even as far back as college. But, I mean, good gosh, who doesn't have stress in college? Um, I think they really, really, really started showing themselves in 2007. I remember going to dinner with Lucretia in 2007. I actually remember we were in Outback because I just love their steak. And we were sitting in a corner, and I remember telling her, I said, you know, the church is growing like crazy. Um, we've got a healthy little baby girl. Um, I'm living in a nice house. We're both driving a nice car. Um, I'm... As far as the world goes, I'm seeing success, and I've never been more miserable in my life. And it was just a weird place that, through a series of circumstances and situations, I had just wound up completely at this place where I realized, as I look back, that was the beginning of a pretty intense three-and-a-half-year-or-so battle with with depression and anxiety. Um, and so that it, they started really, really showing up in about 2007. And at that time, um, how did you initially deal with these issues? Well, I, you know, I kind of pushed them away because, let's be honest, the Christian community doesn't talk about stress and fear and anxiety and even depression. And when we do, we over-spiritualize it. Um, it's kind of like, well, uh, you're depressed, so you have a demon. And now I'm like, well, you're fat. Do you have a demon? I mean, like, that's that's not fair. I mean, that's not that's not even right. Um that was probably offensive to some people, but, but, you know, you, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you're depressed. And so there, there must be a sin issue in, in your life. Well, good gosh, if it's a sin issue, then aren't we all in danger of depression because we all are dealing with sin issues. Um, and so, but initially I was just like, well, I don't, I don't want to be considered like demon possessed, um, I don't want to be considered unspiritual because, like, godly people don't struggle with these things, right? Uh, godly people with struggle with how do I read 17 chapters rather than 14 chapters mm-hmm. in my Bible every day. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to tell anybody because the last thing a Christian leader needs to do is admit their weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, good gosh, we're supposed to be models of strength and pillars of the community. And so initially, I, I just kept telling myself, and this is the lie that we can get into as leaders— um, this is going to pass. This is going to pass. This is going to pass. And it, it, and if it was a kidney stone, it would have passed. But it was a it was bigger than a kidney stone. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a it was depression, and that's not a kidney stone. It's more severe. Yeah. What kind of impact initially did this have on your family? Well, you know, it it forced me to be a really horrible husband and a really horrible dad. And I wasn't like going home and, and beating my wife or beating my little girl because my wife, if you know anything about her, she could actually beat me up. She's a second degree black belt, and so she would wear me out. But I was, I was just really withdrawn. I would go home and I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't talk. I would I would not communicate with my wife. Um, her love language, and I love that book, The Five Love Languages. Her love language is quality time. 
Um, my love language is all five. I'm high maintenance. But hers is quality time. And the more we're, um, you know, the older Karis is getting, her love language is quality time as well. Um, and so the thing that they needed the most was the thing that I could not give them. I didn't want to give anybody quality time. I wanted to, I wanted to get up out of bed. I wanted to come to work. I wanted to do my job. I wanted to go home, and I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, I, and there's several ways to distract yourself from that. You can go online. You can watch um, the same episode of a TV show for the 17th time. And there's all kinds of ways you can self-medicate yourself. Um, but that's that's one of the ways it affected me. I don't, I don't think I was a very good husband or a very good father during that time. Um, speaking of work, how did it impact your ability to lead or maybe even impact the people, uh, that you work with most closely? Well, if you're going through depression or dealing with worry or anxiety, a couple things are going to happen. First thing is, uh, you're going to start to distrust the people around you. Like you're just not going to trust them and you're going to say, well, this is, this is what an insecure leader on the path to depression tells himself. If I want it done right, I've got to do it myself. Um, And that is a setup for overwhelming circumstances that will eventually crush you. Because it sounds like great leadership, doesn't it? If I want it done right, i got to do it myself. But the root of it is pride. And pride is is the very thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. And so anything rooted in pride can't be great leadership. Um, but that, that'll happen. You, you start to distrust the people around you. The second thing that happens is you start to become angry at the people around you. And Shane, this is something I noticed with my, with me in, in particular, in regards to Lucretia and Karis, in regards to the leadership team, I would get angry at everybody around me saying they, they're not helping me. They're not coming alongside of me. They're not holding up my arms. They're not encouraging me. But I wasn't telling y'all. And so I was getting mad at you guys because you could not read my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's what people with anxiety and depression often do, especially leaders. Leaders will walk into a room and toss a hand grenade in the middle of the room and just blow everything up. Um, usually when you hear a leader say, oh, I'm getting ready to clean house, the majority of the time it's not the house that needs cleaned. It's the leader that needs cleaned. Mm. Um, and, and that's, it's just a sign of him being, or her being really insecure and not willing to deal with their anxiety and depression issues. You know, talking about the impact had on your family, the impact, uh, at work, but you know, you're a pastor who preaches life and hope, uh, in Jesus every single week. And, uh, I know from 2007 and over the next couple of years, you showed up and, and did that. Uh, how were you able to do that during this time well here's the thing about hope um the one thing and i i wish i wish i could say something more spiritual here shane i wish i could tell people that there was a verse i wish i could tell people that there was a a quote from a very famous theologian that really got me through these tough times but the one thing um that got me through these tough times was hope i would literally wake up every day and say, today's the day that this could break. Today's the day that these um, chains on my life could break. Today's the day these things could shatter. And hope got me out of bed every morning. Now, I've had people ask me, what do you do when you lose hope? 
And my answer to that question is, I, I don't know, because hope kept me going. And so uh, when people say, well, Perry, you're just the hype guy. You're always saying, I'm really excited. I'm really excited about church. I'm really excited about this next event. I'm really excited. But the truth is, I am really excited. I'm really excited because there's a hope in me now um, that re- that God really, over that you know three and a half or so year period, was really able to help me see you know, my strength really does come from him and not from me. And my hope is, um, my hope is found in, in Christ and the cross and the empty tomb and not on how many people we were, we had this past Sunday. Um, and so during that time, that's when I really fell in love with Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. That's when I, that's when that Bible verse became not just a neat coffee cup verse, but it it became really my life verse. Mm. Um, and so when I try to take the, when I, not, let me back up, not when I try to take the optimistic approach, but when I take the optimistic approach, that's just the hope that I learned during that time period coming out of me. So during that time you had uh, hope, you had Ephesians 3.20 sort of as an anchor to keep you going. Um, but at what point did you realize it was time to get professional help? Well, you know, it's so funny. Um, I don't – you can have a conversation with somebody, and you know how you'll just have a conversation, and it'll be a side conversation, um, and then three or four years later you'll remember that conversation. Well, I've got a really good friend that pastors a church in um, Las Vegas named Judd Wilhite, and love Judd, think he's one of the best leaders, communicators on the planet. And Judd and I were talking about um, stress and anxiety – and Judd said, um, I just remember him saying to me, hey, man, if you ever need somebody real good, if you ever feel like you need some professional help, um, I know a guy that you should talk to, and his name's John Walker. And I was like, yeah, okay, thanks. Thanks, Judd. And um, in my mind, I was like, uh, you know, that was nice that he talked about that, but I just kind of dismissed it. And I remember getting to the point where I was like, something's – I've got to have professional help to get out of this. Um, I'm an amateur. I got myself into it all by myself, but it's going to take a professional to get me out. And I remember calling Judd going, Hey man, what was the name of that dude? And, um, he, he told me. And so I called, um, the blessing ranch and, uh, it was so funny because they, they, they they were booked up for like six or seven months, but the next week they had just gotten a cancellation and I was like, I want that. I want that. I don't. I'm. I'm coming. I've got to come. And that was the, that that week right there was so 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 essential, um, to really probably saving my life, saving my ministry. Hmm. Um. So, uh, either up to I guess once you had a chance to go see John, in conversations with him, uh, and then since, what were some of the steps uh, in the process of you overcoming this problem? Well, there's there's several, and I could. Man, there's so many, especially for leaders. But here's what leaders will tell themselves. Leaders will tell themselves, this is just a season. This is just a season. And I believe in seasons. I believe um, I believe there are you know, sowing seasons and reaping seasons. I believe there are resting seasons. I, I am a seasons guy. I mean, I live in the upstate of South Carolina where we really do get all four seasons. Um, I think we got all four seasons this week. I think, um, I think you're right. Gosh. But um, the, some of the steps in, in overcoming this, it, 
number one, you got to ask for help. Um, you can't get well. In fact, let me say this. It's a spiritual impossibility to get well unless you ask for help. Um, it, it, it just is one of those things where um, life is going to get overwhelming. And as pastors and leaders, we can't get up and teach the concept of not doing life alone and then leave and try to do life alone. And I did that for a while. So um, it comes back to, you know, you just call it a season. Well, this is just a season. Well, when the season's going into its third year, um, and that's what my wife confronted me on. She was like, you know, Perry, you've been saying this is a season for about three years. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, that's probably not good. I probably need to change some things, don't I? So saying that it's a season, um, the second thing is denying um, denying things. Like if, if, if uh, I finally had to come to grips with, like, like for example, my compassion meter for people when you get into depression and you're dealing with anxiety and you're dealing with this stuff, your compassion level for people goes out the window. And so people can come up to you and they go, I have cancer. And in your mind, you're thinking, yeah, that sucks. Sorry about that. And that's horrible, but it can happen to a leader that absolutely goes at Mach 9 and fries themselves over a long period of time we can become totally insensitive to the people that God's called us to shepherd and lead and care for. Um, so I, when my compassion meter started bottoming out, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to get help. And the, the other thing, and I tell pastors this all the time, is professional help is essential if you're dealing with, with depression or anxiety um, or, or worry. I mean, professional help is one of those things like, for example, John Walker, and he's the, listen, you can Google his name. You can Google the Blessing Ranch. It is the best place in the world um, I could recommend. Uh, he's a professional counselor, but he's also planted churches, pastored churches, led in churches, knows what church world is like. And that was one of the greatest decisions that I made during this process. Um, well, let me ask you this. Can anyone, any of us, ever expect, to live a life free from stress, anxiety, and worry. Well, if you can, you're in a place called heaven, and I don't know how you're listening to this podcast, but the answer is no. I mean, we're always going to um, have those events that, that stress us out, that freak us out, that worry us, and especially in ministry, especially a leader. Um, I heard somebody say one time, and good gosh, I can't remember um, who said it, but they said something along the lines of leadership is the ability to disappoint people um, at a level which they can receive it or something mm-hmm. like that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, leaders, leaders live in that world. And so we've got to learn how to live in that world but not let that world dominate and control us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that's the challenge of being a leader in a world that really, really is overwhelming. Um, well, tell our listeners about, you know, why you – decided to kind of put all of these things you experienced into this book, Overwhelmed, Winning the War Against Worry? Well, one of one of my biggest pet peeves about church in general is I think for years the church has been answering questions that nobody really is asking. Um, I don't meet many people that are asking me about the peccability and peccability of Christ. I've never met anybody in Walmart that wanted me to break down the tulip for them. I've never met anybody at Target 
uh, because more sophisticated people go to Target. I've never met anybody at Target that asked me what was I pre-millennial or post-millennial. And these are the things that sometimes that the church answers. Now, I'm not saying those aren't important issues. They're important for two or three people in your church. But um, most people in our churches uh, are really having a hard time with marriages and are really having a hard time with their finances and are really having a hard time with their kids and really having a hard time with their jobs. And they're coming to church and hearing a historical lesson about the Ark of the Covenant and they're leaving going, I'm not sure what the little gold thing in the desert has to do with my my problems. And so I, I just wanted, I remember when we decided to do this series a few years ago, I just said, you know what, I've learned from this. Um, God's taught me some things through this. I actually considered taking my own life. I wonder how many people we have in our church um, that have considered suicide, that have considered doing something that that's going to hurt a lot of people in the future. And I just decided to be open about it. I just decided to be transparent about it. And the response that we saw, the number of people that came forward that said they were struggling with suicidal thoughts, they had struggled with suicidal thoughts, the number of people that came forward and said they were dealing with anxiety, the number of people, Shane, and this is this is one of my new soapboxes lately, that came forward and said, hey, I take antidepressants, and I've never wanted to tell anybody. Well, I came out a few about a month, month and a half ago, and told people I take antidepressants now. I started on an antidepressant about you know two or three months ago because I was having severe anxiety and crowds, and I didn't know why. And the first time I went through my bout with depression, I didn't take any anti-anxiety medicine or any antidepressants. It doesn't make me better or worse. It was just after talking with my doctor about it, my doctor felt like it was the right thing to do to not take the medicine. This time through, the doctor said, you know what, I think it is time that we put you on a, a, a small dose of, of something to help you get through this time period. And so it's it's one of those things where I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want people to know that that's okay if you've got to take medicine. I want people to know if you're feeling stressed, it's okay. I want people to know if you're feeling anxiety, it's okay. It doesn't mean you're not spiritual. Usually it means that something has happened to you or you've done something that's affecting your circumstances today and you got to go back and figure out what that is and heal from it. And that's one of the things that we don't do as leaders so often is we're so busy saving the world and traveling at 100 miles an hour that we don't slow down and take time to just investigate what's going on in our life. I was really convicted of this. Um, when I was in Israel just a few weeks ago, where I was reminded on the last, Jesus had like 24 hours to live. And one of the last things he did was sat down at a supper with his 12 guys. And it wasn't like they ran through the Burger King drive-thru and and picked up like a snack. He sat down with them and the Passover meals, you know, two, maybe two, some, up to three hours four hours and he sat down with them and he slowed down and I was like oh my gosh I'm so convinced that's what I've got to spend more time doing as leaders and we think when we do that we're unchristlike, but actually we're more like Jesus that's good well let me ask you this uh, to kind of wind things down what's your desire for the people who do read this book well leaders and um, anybody that reads this book the reason I wrote the book is to help people um, I want to help people number one 
know that it is not weird. You are not ungodly or unspiritual. Um, if you're dealing with this, it may just be life's circumstances have finally caught up with you to such a point that God, here, here's my big thing. I wanted God to deliver me out of my circumstances, but God wanted to deliver me through my circumstances. And on standing on the other side, looking back, I can tell you, I learned more about God. I learned more about his grace. Um, I think I became a better leader through the process. I think I became a more compassionate leader through the process. I think I became a leader that trusted people more in the process. I think I became a leader that trusted God more during the process. Um, and I think I became a leader that's, that really did grab onto the idea of people really are going to relate more to a, a leader's weaknesses than they are his strengths. And so my hope for people is ultimately um, that they'll be helped by this book and helped by this podcast. I would just say, if you're a leader out there and you're feeling overwhelmed, your very first step when you uh, cut off this podcast should be to call somebody and just say, hey, man, freaking out. I don't know what to do. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're strong. That's good. You know, just thinking about the things that you shared just in this podcast, your own personal experience when you started battling with this is you started to push away. Uh, uh, you started to push away from people around you, started to withdraw, even in your family, started to distrust the people who are around you, felt like you had to do it all yourself, even getting angry with the people around you. But the but what you'd say to people that are feeling like that is, hey, you've got to stop denying that there's a problem. Yep. You need to ask for help and for some even get professional help. Absolutely. All those things are completely true. Um, because at the end of the day, you're the only person that knows what you're going through. And if you don't ask for help, help can't be given to you. That's great. Well, let me mention again, this book is releasing today or, the, or, or whenever you hear this, if you hear it in the month of April, it's out there. You need to get a copy of Perry's book. It's a great book. It's a real eye-opening book, uh, and I think it's going to pr- prove to be a real helpful book, Overwhelmed, Winning the War Against Worry. And before we sign off today, Perry, uh, in, uh, in sort of celebrating the fact that this book is coming out this month, we've got some special things happening on the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast this month. We've got a, this isn't the only podcast people will be able to listen to. They're going to be able to hear several more. Uh, and so why don't you just give uh, our listeners a few highlights of what they can look for the rest of this month? Yeah, we've got several pastors and leaders lined up for a podcast this month, but the one that's going to be releasing probably in the next week or so is an interview I did with uh, Clemson Tigers head football coach Dabo Sweeney about what it's like to be an overwhelmed leader. I mean, good gosh, he's a college football coach. And so if anybody knows anything about being an overwhelmed leader, it would be Dabo. And that interview that I had with him was so good, and I cannot wait for it to release on, on this podcast. It's going to be great. Well, April's going to be a great month. 2014 is going to be a great year. You guys don't forget about the trip to Israel, the double conference, and Perry's overwhelmed book. We will uh, see you guys next time. <laughs>